Welcome to Liquor and Liqueur Connoisseur, where I drink, discuss, and discover the world of distilled spirits. I'm your host, Matt Burchard. This is episode three, and I'll be drinking Bundaberg Overproof Rum. Before I crack this bottle open, I wanted to do a quick recap on what you as the listener can expect from this podcast and what I strive to achieve from doing it. Uh, First, I want to be well-researched and educational, but also entertaining and consistent in my reviews of liquors and liqueurs. So let's go ahead and open this up. Now, the interesting thing about this bottle is this is, again, uh, Bundaberg OP, or Overproof Rum. We'll get to what Overproof means more specifically for the Bundaberg brand in just a bit, but uh, it is 57.7% alcohol by volume, so that clocks it in at 115.4 proof, meaning this is literally flammable. So it's a, it's a high-proof spirit, and we're going to open it up. This is a new bottle with the screw top. Well, it's not new. Uh, I've got a bit of story on this particular bottle, uh, but it has not been opened. So we're going to open it now. Okay, here we go. Nice metal screw cap. (laughs) Ooh, and I can just smell right off the bottle the, the aroma of it. So I'm gonna pour myself some, not too, not too much, hopefully, because it's. Ooh, stout stuff. All right. Now I'll admit, on episode two, I gave myself a rather stout pour of the Santa Teresa 1796 Solera rum that I really enjoy, uh, and by the end of my recording in the episode, I was uh, rather intoxicated, so I've deliberately poured less of this uh, Bundaberg. Uh, For one, it is much higher proof than the other rum I reviewed, Uh, but also I'm just not entirely sure how this will go. Neat. Uh, A couple notes on how I taste liquors in the Coors. I am tasting them neat at room temperature, uh, so that should be interesting at this high-proof spirit. Um, I'm using a nosing glass, which is a tulip-shaped glass uh, primarily used in whiskey, Um, and the shape of the glass allows the aromas to concentrate at the top, so you can really get a good nosing of the spirit before you drink it. The thing I'm noticing about this Bundaberg in my glass is it has a very kind of caramel, almost orange color. And the bottle is clear glass. It's got an orange label, an orange kind of screw cap. Maybe that's one of the things that influences my perception of the color. But against the white background, yeah, it's kind of caramely amber orange. But looks nice. It has surprisingly not very pronounced kind of liquor tears. Now there's more developing as I sort of swirl it. So the aroma of this rum, so give it a give it a nose. Uh, you got to be kind of careful. The the alcohol burn is quite pronounced. Uh, so the the trick when you're nosing kind of a higher proof spirit is to really 
tip the glass towards you and put your nose in it kind of near the front bottom edge that allows some of the alcohol vapors to float up and escape out of the top but uh, on the nose it's got a, a pleasant woodsy smell um, not really caramely I wouldn't necessarily call it oaky but there's a, a bit of an underlying fruitiness kind of pears it's reminiscent to me of like dried or kind of candy baked pears all right let's go in and give this a taste Ooh. <laughs> it burns uh, but has a very good flavor all oh. <laughs> it tastes hot <laughs> and spicy uh, but once the kind of alcohol passes, there's a caramely nuttiness to it. Um, yeah, that that's quite good. This is really good. It'd probably be excellent mixed. And uh, Bundaberg is famously mixed is one of the things that we'll talk about here in just a bit. So this particular bottle of Bundaberg Overproof Rum um, has a little story. It uh, was unopened until moments ago, but has been a resident of my liquor cabinet for the past 10 years. Uh, Bundaberg is an Australian rum and entirely unavailable here in the United States. Uh, this was a gift from some friends of mine that traveled to Australia 10 years ago and I've been saving it, apparently, for a special occasion, so episode three of Liquor and the Core Connoisseur seemed like the right special occasion for me to open this up and really enjoy it. This particular bottle is also a bit of an oddball size, in my estimate. It's uh, 1,125 milliliters, which makes it larger than a fifth and smaller than a handle, uh, and uh, handle, as a bit of an anecdote, is a, a slang term really for a half gallon of distilled spirits. It's typically packaged large enough where the bottle actually has a handle on it, so you refer to and get a handle of dust and such. Uh, and then a fifth uh, denotes 750 milliliters, and that's within about a half ounce of a fifth of a gallon. So that's why we use the term fifth and handle. But anyway, uh, this Bundaberg is... 1,125 milliliters, so it's uh, a nice, uh, you know, size. It's also in a clear glass bottle, as I mentioned before. It has established 1888, kind of pressed into the front of it. It's got a orange label. There's a white polar bear, which is the Bundaberg mascot. He's on it, and uh, clearly states it's overproof crafted and distilled for strength by the Bundaberg Distilling Company in Australia. So Bundaberg, the history of the distillery, and Bundaberg is referred to as Bundy. So from here on out, I can see the benefit in referring to it simply as Bundy, because that rolls off the tongue a whole lot easier. Um, Bundy is older than the country of Australia. The distillery was founded in 1888, as is clearly marked on the bottle, pressed in glass, uh, and 
it's distilled in the city of Bundaberg, which is on the north coast of Queensland. It's north of Brisbane. I've never been to Australia, but on the map, it's kind of on the on the right-hand coast uh, when you view it kind of on a typical map. So the area of Bundaberg is a sugarcane producing area, and that makes sense because they produce rum, and if you know anything about rum, rum is made from molasses. Uh, molasses is a byproduct of sugarcane production. So the Bundaberg area, they were producing sugar commercially by the early 1870s, and they had several large sugar mills, and it purportedly was a boom time. They had a lot of um, kind of migrant laborers or maybe indentured uh, laborers, as the, the story goes, that they had brought in from some neighboring islands around Australia to, to work the sugarcane fields. Um, but there was a tremendous amount of sugar production going on. And as the waste product of that, there was literally tons of molasses. And molasses is kind of the dark, dark syrupy stuff that you get after you've extracted the, the main sugar from the sugarcane and the whole process that's done to create that. So molasses is useful, but it's, it was expensive to ship. Um, it can be converted to animal fodder, but that was apparently hardly worth the effort, as I said. Um, so a group of the sugar men, as they were referred to, got together and decided, hey, let's take this molasses and distill rum from it. So indeed they did. And in 1888, the Bundaberg Distilling Company was incorporated. So Bundy's made from molasses, but the thing is, um, molasses comes from sugarcane production and sugarcane is not a year-round crop. Uh, in the Bundaberg area of Australia, they're harvesting the sugarcane between July and November. Uh, and so they, they process all the, the cane and they produce all the molasses uh, between that season, so to speak. So they store the molasses for later use in distillation. And they have what they refer to as molasses wells. And currently, the molasses is pumped from the sugar mill across the street from the distillery via underground pipes. And it's pumped into these storehouses that have uh, large molasses wells that store up to 10 million liters. And they keep it in a raw state, so it's not filtered or cleaned in any way. It's just literally kind of dumped in these, you know, what I imagine to be ginormous swimming pools of raw molasses. But when it gets time to start distillation, the first step is they pump the raw molasses into a kind of a clarifying process where they they uh, heat it and the entire distillery is steam powered and they're powering it by burning the kind of waste of the sugar cane. So it's a, quite a sustainable process. Um, so they'll clarify the molasses and then the clarified molasses is pumped into a fermentation tank and the fermentation tank uh, just has the molasses some water and the special yeast strain added so that it will then indeed ferment and yeast is the true champion it is the actual organism that produces ethanol it, it converts 
uh, starch and sugar into alcohol. Ethanol is its waste product, essentially, but yeast is quite interesting because it also has the ability to ingest ethanol and kind of live off that. So uh, yeast is a wonder, and I can go into depth on yeast if we need to. So fermentation goes on for about 30 hours in the fermentation vat. And then once the uh, product is fermented, it's pumped into the first of two distillation processes. So Bundy is double distilled. Um, the first distillation takes place in a continuous or column still, and the output of that is condensed and then fed into pot stills. So the pot still is where the final distillation of the raw rum is done in the pot still they've got more precise controls to make sure they're getting the right heart cuts and the flavors and, and what they're really trying to get um, out of the essence of the rum via pot still process and the raw rum out of the pot still comes out at about 78 percent alcohol by volume so it's uh, very high proof when it's done bundy is an aged rum uh, it's not sold as a, a white rum at all. All Bundy is aged for a minimum of two years in American New Oak. Uh, however, it's not cast or barreled. Uh, Bundy is matured in huge 60,000 to 75,000 liter vats. So they have special coopers who will build these very huge vats and it looks like a giant barrel and that's essentially what it is it's a 60,000 plus liter vat um, and they'll pump the rum into that it stays in there for more than two years currently they have more than 300 of these vats full of rum maturing uh, in Bundaberg and the interesting thing is the vats are stored in what's referred to as bond houses or bond stores and bond, the name comes from a government bond on the product. It, the rum is able to be stored and matured tax-free until it's uh, reached the appropriate age and then is bottled and then the, the tax is paid on it. So the bond store is where the uh, spirit matures. Like most distilleries, Bundy's got quality control, so they have a panel of tasting experts and they're you know, checking to make sure that the rum is ready uh, and uh, kind of up to spec. And when it is ready to be bottled, it's diluted to bottle strength with pure water. Uh, so in the case of the overproof I have, uh, they cut it down to 57.7% alcohol by volume. And so I'll talk a little bit about what overproof means in Bundy terms. Uh, the standard Bundy is underproof. And I've got the benefit of overproof, which the internet tells me is superior to the underproof. And proof refers to 100 proof, which is 50% alcohol by volume. And historically, proof was determined by if you took gunpowder and soaked it in a distilled spirit, would the gunpowder still ignite? And the proof point was set at 100. So 100 proof would be 50% alcohol by volume. So the Bundy overproof I have is overproof. It's more than 100 proof. In the bottling strength they have it here, it's 115.4 proof. So the underproof then is less than 50% alcohol by volume. 
Uh, this is a stout rum, but that's the story of Overproof. Some other interesting things about Bundy. It has a polar bear as a mascot, and uh, Australia is about as far as you can get from where polar bears naturally occur on this planet, and so it, it seems like a bit of an odd choice, but the mascot was introduced in either 1961 or 62, depending on who you ask. The back label on my bottle says 62, however, the internet tells me 61. Uh, regardless, it was introduced by a gentleman named Sam McManon, or McMahon? McManon? Yeah. Um, who was kind of in charge of Bundaberg as a brand at the time. Uh, he also apparently was the brother of a one-time prime minister of Australia. So, you know, a bit of fame, I suppose. Anyway, he introduced... Uh, the bear as a mascot purportedly to ward off the coldest winter chill. And I will say a shot of overproof would warm you right up. So it's probably fitting mascot. And the mascot has a name. He is named Bundy R. Bear. We don't know what the R stands for. It's just simply Bundy R. Bear. Uh, so that's kind of clever. Also, this may have led to the creation of the mascot, but apparently McMahon, uh, which is Sam's last name, and I'm probably mispronouncing that, but I've been sampling Bundy here, so <laughs> you'll have to bear with me. Uh, McMahon actually means son of bear in Irish, uh, so the internet tells me. Actually, so Bundaberg's website tells me. Other notable things in the story of Bundaberg distilling is there was apparently a devastating fire in 1936 that was caused by lightning and, and burned the entire distillery down. A uh, tremendous amount of maturing rum was lost and a lot of molasses that they had stored apparently spilled out into the neighboring river and uh, either poisoned or killed the fish and maybe even caught the river on fire as the molasses burned. So uh, this kind of put an end to production for a couple years. It apparently took them three years to rebuild. Earlier in this episode, I mentioned that Bundy is famously mixed. And the reason for that is during World War II, American GIs were in Australia as the two countries were allies. And they noticed that American GIs were mixing Bundy and Coke. And the distillery took note of this and decided to develop their own brand of cola and pre-mix Bundy and cola and started bottling a pre-mixed Bundy and cola at varying levels of uh, alcohol by volume. And to this day, you can still buy in Australia Bundy and cola pre-mixed either in aluminum cans or in bottles. Um, I've seen it online around 6% alcohol by volume, so it looks rather refreshing, but it has been mixed since, you know, the uh, early 40s. Another kind of brand story I find interesting, uh, my day job is as a marketer, and uh, this revolves around marketing for the brand. And in 1953, uh, Bundy undertook a marketing campaign to kind of shore up their brand because prior to that, they were sort of a 
distiller and producer, but they would sell barrels of finished rum and uh, essentially white label it, allow other companies to brand it as their own. They were selling some Bundy branded rum, but it doesn't seem like they were really kind of firm and solid on this. So in 53, they undertook this marketing campaign and they had a national Australian radio contest where they invited people to come up with the best slogan for Bundaberg Rum. Um, however, it's noted that the agency they hired had pre-registered Bundy Rum, uh, and then that was chosen as the winner, and they, the agency later resold it to their client, the distillery, for a considerable profit. So that's probably not the most ethical thing to do, but I found it quite interesting. So fast forward to the new millennium, and in 2000, uh, Bundaberg Distilling Company was sold to Diageo, which is a global conglomerate of breweries and distillers. They own top brands worldwide. Um, so Diageo bought the distillery, and they made some changes. In 2014, Diageo relocated bottling uh, to a suburb of Sydney, which is quite a bit south of the city of Bundaberg. Uh, this resulted in some local job losses and kind of took some of the soul out of the city. But uh, distillery operations are still maintained in Bundaberg. And actually in 2016, they had invested in a new visitor center um, that is quite nice. It's a multi-million dollar build-out. Uh, also, out in front, there's a giant Bundy bottle. It looks to be about two stories tall, and it's an iconic bottle of Bundaberg rum that you can probably take your picture with if you're ever on site. The distillery makes a, a range of other products I had mentioned, not just uh, the overproof rum that I've been enjoying or the underproof, but they have some more premium uh, kind of master distiller series of rums, and they've got a a red rum that they are aging in Australian gum tree wood um, for a number of years, and apparently that has taken off and has a very mellow flavor. So if any of my listeners in Australia would like to get me a bottle of Bundy Red, I'd love to try it and review it. Um, but there's a number of premix items as well. Off of the uh, Bundaberg website, there's a link for a product they have called Lazy Bear. And Lazy Bear is Bundy rum with dry and a hint of lime. And for the life of me, I do not know what dry is, quote-unquote dry. I, beer? I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what dry is. But it looks like a delightful alternative to... Uh, say a Corona Light. Um, it's even sold in bottles similar to Corona uh, with a lime wedge in the top in some of the marketing photos. So it's a light alcohol, 3 or 4% alcohol by volume, and actually marketed to those who feel beard out. So it's, I don't know what dry is, but Lazy Bear looks delightful. So it's got Bundy Rum and dry with a hint of lime. Uh, they also have a range of liqueurs that are unavailable to me here in the United States. I've got some coffee, some banana, some yummy-looking things I would like to try, but I may have to get on a plane eventually and get to Australia, bring a suitcase of this stuff back with me. So for cocktails, uh, Bundy Rum is famously mixed. They sell it pre-mixed, actually. 
uh, as Bundy and Cola. And they also sell it pre-mixed with a ginger beer that they make. And uh, rum and ginger beer is a dark and stormy. And so they sell a Bundaberg dark and stormy pre-mixed. They've also got recipes on their website. So uh, the ideal mixer for Bundy overproof rum would be Coke and ginger beer. Probably not together, separately. But, uh, you know, a Bundy Rum and Coke and a Bundy Dark and Stormy probably would be quite good. And seeing as I have a lot of this and I doubt I will be drinking more of it neat, I will likely be mixing. So in summary, it seems that Bundaberg is, you know, basically the spirit of Australia or the Aussie spirit are two different uh, marketing taglines that they've used in the past, and it is quite famous down there. I'm sure everybody in Australia that's listening now will have known Bundy, likely have a bottle on their shelf as well. Uh, it's kind of their go-to local spirit. I don't think that the overproof is super highly regarded, but I, I don't believe it's a well rum either. I think it's just uh, what it is, a, a good stiff drink perfect for mixing it's got nice flavor there's nothing wrong with it probably not recommended just for sipping it is good for mixing but it's enjoyable you know i'm a little disappointed in myself for having left this bottle in the liquor cabinet for a decade but the liquid inside did not disappoint and so this was a fitting reason to open it so that's about it for this third episode of Liquor in the Coor Connoisseur. If you've enjoyed this, uh, please share with your friends, subscribe, show notes, including photo of the bottle, and links to the website will be on the website at Liquor in the Coor Connoisseur. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts and pretty much wherever you get podcasts. Uh, I'm also on social media on Facebook instagram and the twitter uh, please leave me feedback comments corrections if you uh, have a line on some gray market imports to me please reach out <laughs>